And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to the Athletic Baseball Show presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. It is Home Run Derby Day as All-Star Week rolls on in Colorado. Tim McMaster here along with Ken Rosenthal. He's here to answer all of your baseball questions in our Monday mailbag. We do it every week and proof that the world is slowly returning to normalcy. Ken, you were at the Yankees-Astros game Saturday night. We're recording this Sunday night. You're already in Colorado for the All-Star festivities. The frequent flyer miles are back. <laughs> yes, they are. And the Denver airport today was insane. I could not believe how busy it was. So it's kind of showing you that the All-Star game is back for real. It's a big event, and it's taken over this town, as the All-Star game often does, outside of the really, really big cities. And even those, it's a big event. So, yes, it's great to be back seeing fans and the whole thing it's just a big relief for everyone and listen the sport still has COVID issues we saw the Phillies had an issue this weekend but by and large things are going pretty well and the Denver airport luckily can handle it I remember spending many hours in the Cincinnati airport all-star week a few years ago because they just could not handle the uh, the numbers of people but Denver that's a big big airport they have it under control uh, all right. It's been an exciting weekend. I mentioned that you were at the Yankees Astros game. That series was everything you kind of hoped it would be. I think Saturday when you were there, uh, Garrett Cole, the shutout, he just sparkled Aaron judge, the Homer. He mimics Jose Altuve from 2019 on the walk off to win game six of the ALCS that year. And then what do you know on Sunday, Altuve does it again to cap a six run ninth. And then he loses the shirt this time around. I mean, this stuff is fantastic. It was fantastic. And Saturday night, our broadcast, that for me was one of the top games of the year. And there have been quite a number of really good ones. But seeing Cole do what he did over 129 pitches, barking at Boone when he came out to whether take him out or just talk to him, it looked like to me he was going to take him out and put Chapman in. But... It was just a stunning performance by a guy who has been at the focus of the sticky stuff controversy or had been at the center of it. And he is proving that he can pitch without it. He went to the rosin bag a number of times Saturday night. He threw a ton of balls out. But as I said on the broadcast and as Tom Verducci said, Garrett Cole is a great pitcher. He's going to be a great pitcher. He's going to figure it out. He might not be as dominant as before. He might lose a little bit in the process. But... That was a performance really for the ages. And to see a guy in this day and age stay in there for nine innings when he's clearly going through the gauntlet and yet still throwing 99 miles an hour to Jordan Alvarez to finish off the final out 
it was just really something to behold. Now, what's interesting is what happened the next day because, again, no Chapman. And it was much more understandable Saturday night, in my opinion. I didn't believe Chapman should be in that game. That was Cole's game. Cole made that very clear to Aaron Boone, and it played out the way the Yankees would want it to play out. Sunday, they had the 7-2 lead, and they start the inning with Herman, and then they go to Chad Green. Five of the, I think six of the first seven Astros got hits, and of course it was capped by Altuve's three-run homer, and yet there was no Chapman. Now, obviously Chapman's been going through an extremely difficult time. His from everything the Yankees say, is not related to sticky stuff. It's just a mechanical thing where he's become too rotational, which sometimes you hear he's not direct to the plate. He's just kind of going around. So, okay, but now we enter the second half once the Yankees begin play. Thursday against the Red Sox, who's the closer? Will they go back to Chapman then? These are interesting questions. The Yankees are playing a little bit better. They're still not where they want to be, but... I thought Saturday night was going to be perhaps a turning point. And, of course, in baseball, it never works like that. The <laughs> momentum resides with the next day's starting pitcher. And yet, what a win for the Astros on Sunday. We've talked a lot about the Yankees in the last couple of minutes. But the Astros are depleted right now. No Correa, no Bregman. Abraham Toro had a big hit Sunday. Maldonado, Castro, they had some contributions from unexpected places, capped off, of course, by Altuve. This, for me, is the best team in the American League. Now, they're going to have to figure out their bullpen. They've got some guys coming back, Josh James being one of them. They probably will add to that at the deadline as well, and then they'll have some depth if everyone stays healthy. We saw them use starters in relief during the postseason last year. They should be able to do that again. So, for the Astros, it was great to end the first half that way or go into the All-Star break that way, and yet they still should have a lot to look forward to while the Yankees, eh, we'll see how it goes for them once play resumes. Yeah, they start with eight games against Boston in the first two weeks, so it could go drastically one way or the other coming out of the All-Star break. Well, you made it to Colorado, Ken. Not all of the Astros All-Stars did. In fact, a lot of them missing. Um, that's kind of become a story, and you wrote about it. Now, Ronald Acuna won't be there because, of course— terrible injury that he suffered on Saturday night, the torn ACL. But there are a lot of players with, I'll say, lesser injuries that are not making it to the All-Star game. Is this something that you think needs to change? Ideally, you want to see the players there. And the CBA requires them to be there. There are some exceptions, and they're listed, and they account for injuries and paternity leave and a lot of different things. And we have some players who are clearly healthy, at least good enough to play for their teams, and yet are not going to Colorado. Jacob deGrom, to me, is a little bit of an exception. He has had an up-and-down, physically problematic first half. Up-and-down physically, not up-and-down performance-wise. Mookie Betts home runs the last two days. He seems to be okay. Altuve, walk off on Sunday. He seems to be okay. Yet these guys will tell you, and Altuve told me, his left leg is bothering him. He believes at age 31 he needs to rest. He wants to be healthy for the second half. And you listen to each guy individually, and it sounds fine. And even Mookie Betts, he's had shoulder, he's had issues all over his body the first half. And they, they could use the time. But at the same time, you want them to be there for the sport as well. And I struggle with the column a little bit because I talked to Jason, as we often talk about what we're writing. And Jason basically believes the players do need to 
put more of an effort into going. Even if they're not well physically, show up, participate in the festivities, be there for your sport. And yet, after talking to some people on the player side and talking to some others as well, I kind of got the impression that this being a COVID year with so many injuries, that it was not the right time to rip players for not going to the game. Now, fans are going to have their own opinions, and certainly the Astros thing is a little bit different. But at the same time, I have a hard time saying, hey, man, show up, play, when we have guys getting hurt every single day in this sport and we're losing so many great stars. So to the Astros specifically, it certainly gives the appearance that they don't want to be there. They don't want to deal with the media. They don't want to hear from the fans. Maybe they don't want to deal with their own peers. This is the first All-Star game since the penalties were administered, since they were found to have cheated in 2017 and 18. Now, Ryan Presley, legitimate excuse. He's going on the paternity list. That's the most legitimate excuse you can think of, right? Carlos Correa's first reason that he wanted to be with his wife while she's pregnant, but she's not close to her due date. No, that was not good. But he ultimately goes on the COVID IL. You can't question that either. Altuve and Brantley are playing. And I asked Dusty Baker specifically about this, and he said, listen, both these guys are banged up. They want to be there for their team, and I've been asking them to take days off. So from a team perspective, you can understand it. From an individual perspective, you can understand it. But the end result is not exactly where you want it to be. As I said in the column, with so many other things going on, I have a hard time getting too worked up over this. I was worked up over sticky stuff. I was worked up over the All-Star game moving from Atlanta to Denver and that whole issue. But this, to me, is relatively harmless. And at the same time, the Astros are going to have to face this stuff eventually. And one problem fans have is that they really haven't, in many ways, publicly owned it. Remember, they did not get disciplined because they were granted immunity by the commissioner, a decision that I'm not so sure he's comfortable with today. And in their public comments... uh, They've taken accountability, and yet it hasn't been to the satisfaction of many. So, in the end, ultimately, we're going to have an all-star game with Houston Astros from the 2017-18 teams in it, probably next year. And at that point, it will come up again, where it could have ended, in my view, if they had just a couple of representatives. Yeah, just get it over with. Rip off the Band-Aid and get it over Exactly. All right, let's move on to your questions in the mailbag. Hey, this is Ken. I'm not available right now. Please leave a voicemail. If you want to get involved in next week's show, you know how. You can use the phone number 646-543-7072. The email is tabaseballshow at gmail.com. One player who will be at the All-Star Game is Shohei Otani. He's going to be front and center, Ken, in the Derby tonight. Uh, And then, of course... He may pitch and hit in the game as well. He's going to be the face of this thing. And speaking of Otani and his team, the first question is from email. It's Tim Nair. He says, can the Angels make the playoffs this year? And then he adds, if not, how about next year? Tim, I feel your pain. (laughs) And I looked at the Angels once play ended on Sunday and where they were in terms of their playoff odds. And here's where they stood according to fan graphs. 14.5% chance of making the playoffs. Not very good. 2.1% chance of winning the division. Not very good at all. They're essentially a 500 team right now. They're modestly in the wild card race. They're not too close. They're not too far. Their GM, Perry Manazian, has said he's open to adding. 
doesn't like the terms buyer or seller, but he will look for ways to improve the club, even will consider rentals. I don't see them making the playoffs this year because I don't believe their pitching will come together. This has been the eternal question with the Angels. When will they get enough starting pitching? Hasn't happened. Obviously, having Otani helps the rotation, but how long will he go as a pitcher this season? That remains to be seen. And can they get enough from their others? It would appear to me the answer is no. Next year, hey, they should be fine. They still have Trout, Rendon, and Otani. They also have a starting rotation that is going to lose probably three pitchers to free agency, Cobb, Bundy, and Heaney. So they should have money. They should be able to find some starting pitching. But we say this every year. And every year, it seems, they settle for lesser free agent additions and lesser trade additions. These guys this year didn't really work out that they added Cobb and Bundy. So I don't like their chances next year because the Astros are going to be good and the Athletics are going to be good in the Western Division. At some point, though, you would think they're going to build a team capable of at least getting to a wild card, especially if we go to expanded playoffs under a new CBA. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's head to voicemail for the next question. Hey, guys. Love the work. This is Jake. I'm calling as a Phillies fan in Pittsburgh. With the incredibly thin starting pitching market this year, do you think that this is the best time and the highest return for the Phillies to trade Vince Velasquez? He seems like a perfect change of scenery candidate to me. (laughs) He's a perfect change of scenery candidate because the Phillies would like him, I think, at this point to change scenery. (laughs) Now, if you would have said this to me, I don't know, at the end of May, when he was kind of on a roll, I would have said, okay, yes, trade him right now. His first six starts after going into the rotation in late April, 2.30 ERA. First six. It looked for a time like he was finally fulfilling the potential that we've seen in him for years. And then it all fell apart again. Last eight starts, 7.82 ERA. The entire sport knows who he is. They know that he is a volatile guy in terms of performance that he has not been consistent in his career, struggles with runners on base. Should he change scenery? Yes, he probably needs to get out of there at this point. Will he be any better anywhere else, and would he get the Phillies a big return? I don't know that he'd be better anywhere else, and I can't imagine a team giving up a lot for Vince Velasquez. Yeah, lots of uh, trade deadline questions uh, sprinkled in this week, as you would expect as we get closer and closer. Once we get through this all-star break, it's right there in front of us. Uh, Back to voicemail, though, for the next question. Hi, this is Andy in St. Louis. I was just wondering, with the DH likely 
going to the NL next year. Do you think it would be possible that Albert Pujols could return to the Cardinals as their DH next year if he has a chance to get to 700 home runs? Thanks. Andy, that's a heck of a question. And he's sitting at 675 right now, so he's 25 short. And yes, if there is a DH in both leagues, the universal DH, if that is adopted in the next CBA, I would imagine it would be something the Cardinals at least look at. Albert still hits left-handers really well. He's even hit some righties at times this year. So why not? It's perfect career circle for him. It would make a ton of sense. It didn't make sense to me this year because, of course, there was no DH. Now, for the Dodgers, he's a bench player. I could see how he fits there. We could have all seen it now. It didn't necessarily make sense initially, but it sure has worked out really well for them. But, yeah, for the Cardinals next year, if there is a universal DH, Sure, I would imagine that a lot of fans will ask the same question you did, and we'll see what the Cardinals do. Right now, the Cardinals have a lot of other problems. All right, another Cardinals fan, but this one is more worried about the rivals in Chicago. It's from Nick. It's email. He says, I have a quick question for you guys about the Chicago Cubs. I'm a Cardinals fan, and I'm confused about how the potential of trading players like Rizzo, Bryant, Kimbrell, or Baez would affect the Cubs down the road. Would selling those core pieces imply that they're going to do a mini rebuild, a full-scale rebuild, or just a quick reshuffling of players and to get into contention again next season? I think that Nick should be worried more about his own team, Ken, but go ahead. (laughs) I'm with you, Tim. Nick, the Cubs are not going to do a full-blown teardown. They did that about 10 years ago now. It was painful, and right now... With the crowds coming to Wrigley, with the development around Wrigley, with the new TV network that they have, they can't afford to simply lose 100 games for three years in a row. I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. Shouldn't happen. Now, you raise the question, hey, what are they going to do without these guys? That's a fair question. Now, the issue with them is not so much their position in the standings, though that certainly is fueling this. But if they didn't have all these expiring contracts, They wouldn't be talking about trading these guys. But what do we have? We have Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Jock Peterson, all potential free agents. Kimbrell is also a potential free agent, but he has a $16 million option on his deal. Chafin, potential free agent. All of these particular players are quite interesting from a trade perspective. Now, some are performing better than others, but they're not going to keep all of them. So, yes, Rather than make all of them qualifying offers and draft pick compensation in return and risk them taking the qualifying offers, they're going to trade, in my estimation, at least Bryant and Kimbrell and maybe even more. How that will play out for them kind of depends on what they get back, kind of depends on what the market yields for these players. I'm not expecting big returns really for anyone except Kimbrell. The others are two-month rentals and None of them are performing that well. Bryant's tailed off. Baez is 40% strikeout rate or close to it. Rizzo has not had a typical Rizzo year. Peterson's okay, but he's not going to bring you major prospects. Kyle Davies is another one. I'm sorry, Zach Davies is another one that they could ultimately trade. I get the Davies guys confused every single time. And perhaps he would bring something. But they are, in my view, going to look to retool on the fly. Not going to be easy to do. And they're probably going to proceed with the understanding that they're not going to win the World Series next year. But as Jed Hoyer, the president of baseball operations, said, they're trying to build the next great Cubs team. All right. Speaking of Cubs who could be traded, you mentioned Kimbrell specifically. Here's a question about that. Greetings, Ken Rosenthal. This is Barrett Boom Bostic. My question to you is very simple. 
Is Jim Crane all talk? Well, the Astros actually do what Yankees owner Hal Steinbrenner refuses to do and actually surpass the daunting luxury tax threshold. Will they make a big splash like they so often do and acquire big names among the likes of Craig Kimbrell, for instance, thus solidifying their chances to counteract their two-year onslaught of negative PR? Sounds like Barrett wants to be a radio guy or something. (laughs) But he asked a very good question. And really... It's the central question with the Astros right now as we approach the deadline. They're within some $2 million of the luxury tax threshold, according to Fangraph's estimations. And they have said publicly, their general manager, James Click, has said that they are willing to go over. Not go over by a little, because that makes no sense, but go over by a lot. However, you talk to teams that have been in contact with the Astros, and they say that's just public posturing. They do not want to go over. And I tend to believe that. Now, what happens if the AL West tightens up and the A's make a splash on July 28th and the Astros are sitting there? Does Jim Crane at that point say, okay, forget it, we're going? He might. And he's made some big moves, or the team has made some big moves with him at deadlines before. Verlander, Greinke, huge moves. I don't know that it's going to be that. Kimbrell certainly would be an ideal fit for them. Maybe the piece that gets them the World Series, just as Chapman got the Cubs the World Series in 2016. But I will believe it when I see it, and it's going to be really interesting to see how aggressive they are in the weeks ahead because they have a lot of options. Some guys coming off the injured list, Josh James among them, some internal options in the rotation that they can move to the bullpen the way they did last year in the playoffs. So it's not as if they have to do something, though they certainly want to do something and should. I just don't know that it will be Kimbrell. All right, back to email. Now, there's a couple questions here, Ken, referencing uh, recent episodes of the show. So this is the first one from Pat in Lansing says, hey, fellas, love the show. I might have an answer to the question about lagging attendance. Group sales. I was at a Brewers game and didn't see many buses. I'm guessing the uncertainty of the pandemic played a role in group sales. That's a good point. But then he actually has a question for you, Ken. He says, as long as I'm emailing, what does Ken see the Brewers doing at the trade deadline? Pat, they are an interesting team because, of course, they've got kind of a commanding lead in the division, a greater lead than I think any of us envisioned. And they've already done some things. They acquired, of course, Rowdy Telez, and they also made the move for Adamas. Now, the lead is four games. I guess it's not commanding. I wouldn't say that. But it's four games over a Cincinnati team that remains questionable with their bullpen, a team that they just got done playing, and a team that they will be playing to start the second half as well. If you talk to them a couple of weeks ago, what do they say? They would like bullpen help, and they would like corner infield help. Now, they addressed first base to some degree with Telez. They've got Daniel Vogelback probably coming back in August. They've got Hura there as well. There are options. Third base, Luis Urias, a guy who had kind of struggled to get going with them, had a really good month of June. He's since tailed off in July a little bit. But I could see them saying, you know what, we're going to ride him, and we'll put all of our resources into the bullpen. Because, frankly, they've got the three studs in the rotation. We know that. Woodruff, Burns, Peralta. They've got Hader at the back, though, of course. He's had a couple of hiccups of late. Devin Williams has not been quite the same. I think they need to replace the two guys they traded to Tampa. And then, of course, the one that they got back in that deal, they said to Toronto. So they're short in the bullpen. 
And while they certainly could use more offense and an upgrade at first or third would be desirable, I'm not sure that with this team, the bullpen should not be the top priority. It is interesting how fans, if a team makes a move early, you almost forget about it. And you want that other move at the trade deadline where they struck, they struck early, they hit some important pieces. Another email, this one, Jonathan Conrad, he says, last episode, you had questions concerning the redefining of the triple crown. Uh, it got me thinking about the future of the Cy Young Award as well. Will future Cy Young Awards reflect a larger field of contenders instead of focusing on just starters and closers? With the dawn of openers, quality starters now averaging four to five innings, win-losses not as valuable, and the large number of specialty relievers for the late innings, to me there seems to be a good argument to include players you have the highest hold percentage or best strikeout-to-walk ratio or even war. What do you think? Jonathan, all pitchers are eligible for the Cy Young Award. We've seen relievers win. And certainly the way the game has evolved, you make a very relevant point that we're not necessarily going to see many 200-inning starters anymore, at least under the present conditions of the game. So, sure, could a 70- to 80-inning bulk reliever, which we've seen many teams use, win the Cy Young if he was as dominant, say, as Devin Williams was last year for the Brewers? I could see that happening. My personal preference is to see the volume. I didn't vote for Blake Snell over Verlander a couple of years ago because he had some 30 fewer innings, if I recall correctly. The more innings you pitch, the more difficult it is to continue to pitch well and the more you contribute to your team if you do pitch well. So when I vote for the Cy Young, and it's not every year, it rotates among the writers, I generally value the guys who are up around 200, if not above. Is there a situation or have there been situations where relievers can win if they are dominant? Sure. Eckersley, the one year, is the absolute standout. But there have been others as well. I don't rule that out. I won't rule that out in the future. But you're right. The various roles that are used now, the different kinds of roles, different ways pitchers are deployed, that can factor into the voting. But the award is pretty simple. It's not like the most valuable player where it's your definition of most valuable. It's best pitcher. And it's how you define best pitcher. I guess for non-closer relievers, the one guy that pops up from, you know, recent memories, Andrew Miller, right? That maybe could have been in the discussion. But Absolutely. He's a, he would have been a great choice yeah. around 16, 17 when he was really rolling. And yeah, you'll he's... see guys like that now, Tim, in this day and age. We've seen them. Andrew Miller's a great example. There are others as well. Could one of them win the Cy Young one year? I don't rule it out. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, one more question. We go back to voicemail for it. It's an interesting one. Hi there. Uh, This is Brian calling from uh, Quebec. I was just wondering if you would think that uh, regarding the whole pace of play issue, that baseball would ever considering tying uh, maybe some draft picks to the average time that a team team's pitchers take. Do you have any other ideas to try to improve pitchers uh, times? Cause I just watched uh, the Tigers Chicago game and there were some Chicago pitchers that were just taking forever. Brian, I will say this. If they ever instituted draft pick penalties for taking too long to deliver the ball to the plate, I can assure you that teams would instruct their pitchers to get a move on it (laughs) because they value those draft picks like nothing else. Now, there is a solution here, and I believe it's coming in the next CBA, and the solution is a pitch clock, and it's pretty simple. 20 seconds in the minors. Most pitchers coming to the majors now are familiar with it. They're accustomed to it. It's certainly something that more veteran pitchers would need to get used to and have to adjust their pace. But 20 seconds is not unreasonable. I don't know that there's been any increase in injuries because pitchers are working quicker. I don't know that there's any data along those lines at all. So that is a solution here, and it needs to happen. I'm sorry. It's been going on too long. Everyone's been dawdling. Commissioner Manfred has been reluctant to impose this on the union. Because basically he wants things to be negotiated. He has the right to unilaterally implement a rule that he proposes one year before he chooses to implement. But he hasn't done that. He backed off on this. In this next CBA, it's going to be a a point of contention for sure, I would expect. And I also would expect that in all the horse trading that's going to go on in this agreement, that baseball, Major League Baseball, ultimately gets what it wants here. And that's a 20-second pitch clock. All right, another great group of questions this week. Thanks for everybody for getting involved. If you want to be part of the show next week, 646-543-7072. That's the voicemail line. The email is tabaseballshow at gmail.com. Ken, of course, Monday night home run derby, Tuesday night the game, and then a great start to the the second half. I'm just guessing, Yankees-Red Sox for you? Yes, Tim, it is Yankees-Red Sox for me, and I will have Friday night on MLB Network and Saturday night on Fox That's going to be a huge series for the Yankees in particular. 
but also for the Red Sox. They can bury the Yankees, essentially, if they do well in these next two weeks in those head-to-head meetings that they have. All right. Keep coming back to the Athletic Baseball Show all week long. An exciting episode of Starkville again coming up on Tuesday. Jason and Doug will be joined by Keith Law. The draft started on Monday, continues on Tuesday. He'll break down that and the Futures game as well. So some of those players that are knocking on the door of the majors and what stood out to him from Sunday afternoon's Futures game out in Colorado. Then on Thursday, it's Hunter Pence and Grant Brisby. Then Keith Law back again on Friday with DVR. They'll probably have a full recap of the draft and much more on that show. If you want to join The Athletic, you can. $3.99 a month right now. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball show to get that great deal. Ken, enjoy the rest of the all-star festivities in the week. Tim, thanks very much. All right, that's Ken Rosenthal. I'm Tim McMaster. Have a great week, everyone.